Hey, this is Kevin Weatherby at Save the Cowboy. I want you to tow that stirrup, throw a leg over the candle, take a deep seat, and pull your hat down tight. I ain't gonna tolerate no whining or griping, so let's all strike a long trot down that narrow trail and learn how to ride with God. Come on! What you waiting on? Let's go. So last week, a group of us uh, from the cowboy crew met down by below my house, and and we had I'd been calving our our church cows down there on the creek bottom, and. Uh, Needed to get some of the old the pairs with the older calves out of there because the grass is running short, and we wanted to take them to some better pasture. So, so we met up there and we we uh, kind of gathered these cows up against the fence line, and then we were gonna sort off the cows and calves that were a little older. And it was it was a little bit tricky because we had to go down the fence line, uh, and then through a gate that wasn't really a gate. It was just we sort of took the fence down, the the barbed wire down, and made a gap for them. Um, and just beyond that was a drop off into the creek bottom and a bunch of thick willows and brush. And, and these cows hadn't ever been through that gate before. Uh, and so it, some of them were having a hard time finding that gate. And, and we, we just kept it slow and kind of took one or two pair at a time and just trailed them down that, that fence line. And, and when they'd see the gate, they'd go through into the next pasture. Um, and so Gary and Brett were kind of holding the herd up and Kevin and I were, were sorting these cows out. And, uh, we got one red cow and her calf heading down the fence line, and, and she got down there to where that gate was and, and just turned, turned back and, and faced us and, and could not see the gate. Uh, and she kept trying to get by us, and, and you know, we were, we were uh, trying to keep everything quiet because she had her calf with her, and, and this, this was one of those cows that, you know, all of our cows are donated, and some of them, some of them have quiet dispositions and some of them don't and this was one of the ones that don't, doesn't and she's improved a lot over the last couple of years but it, this guy's a little touchy to handle and, and you, you got to do it right um, but she just kept looking away from that gate and she wouldn't she wouldn't even attempt to, to, to look through that and uh, got me thinking about some of my friends some of my friends that that don't go to church here some of my friends and family that I don't think have found Jesus in their lives yet, and and uh, when when that's part of our job is to is to make sure our friends and family know Jesus because if we want them to spend eternal life with us, they got to know Him. That's the only way they're going to ever get to heaven. And so, I was reading in my Bible and in, in Mark nine, verse thirty four, it says, "Then calling the crowd to join his disciples, he said, if any of you wants to be my follower, you must turn from your selfish ways, take up your cross, and follow me. <coughs> so Mark's talking about action here. He's talking about you can't be passive in the way that we, in the way that we go about our faith. The first thing we got to do is we got to turn. We got to make a turn, and that's what we were having trouble with that cow. We couldn't get that cow to turn away. Uh, first, we have to turn away from our selfish ways and turn away from our sins. Um, that, that is going to be one of the things that, uh, I know I've had a lot of trouble with in my, in my, uh, growth. And I know a lot of other people do. It's, it's really difficult to, cause you got this old life that you've been leading and all of a sudden we're supposed to turn away from that. And our sinful nature keeps bringing us back and we keep turning back and trying to, trying to run back to where we came from, just like that cow trying to, trying to push through us and, and get go right back where she came from, even though she knows that that's not the, the place that we want her to be. And I do that in, all the time. Um, God is sitting there trying to block me from, from going back, and he's trying to help me, and, yeah, but, but I keep turning back and try to run right back to where, 
I came from. And all that does is lead to, to destruction and, and unhappiness and unfulfillment and, and definitely not to peace. So the first thing that we got to get done with ourselves and with, and with these people we're trying to help is to get them to turn. Uh, we got we to gotta help them to make that turn uh, away. And then the second thing that, that it says here is to follow. And that's also an action. It has to be an action. You can't follow Jesus by being passive, by standing there. It, it's a follow thing. Um, I, know lots of, I know lots of good people, uh, really good people, that think that, well, I'm a good person. I'm going to heaven. But, but they don't follow Jesus. They don't accept Jesus as, as their Lord and Savior. Uh, you, can't, you can't just turn away from sin. I, I know these people are, are good people, and, and they try to be moral, but, they're, but their morality is based on what society thinks is, is morality, not based on what Jesus and, and God say is morality. There's, those are two different things. Society's morality can change, and it has. You've noticed the morality of society has changed over the years to where things that used to not be acceptable now are. But God's morality never changes. It's always the same. It's always black and white. This is, this is right. This is wrong. And uh, in, order to, in order to get to heaven, you've got to do both. You've got to turn from sin, and you have to follow Jesus. Okay? And unfortunately, in this world, I see people doing the opposite. They turn away from Jesus, and they follow the ways of the world. Uh, so they're turning away from Jesus, they're following the sin, they're following their, their selfish desires, and then wondering why they're unfulfilled and, and not at peace and not happy. Uh, guys, we, we got, if, if you've got loved ones in your life that, that don't know him, and you don't have a lot of time, you just don't have a lot of time, you don't know, you don't know how long they're going to live, you don't know when God's going to jerk us out of our boots and take us to heaven with him. Uh, it could be at any moment. Um, so I encourage everyone to... to Hang in there. Do what we did with that cow. What we did is we just we just stayed patient with her. We didn't we didn't try to just add more pressure. All we did is every time she tried to get by us, we just kind of get over there and block her a little bit and wait. She tried to get by us, turn. We get over here and block her a little bit and wait. After that cow realized that that where she was going or trying to go wasn't going to work, she just quietly turned and she looked and she saw that narrow road that we're all looking for that gate that's not always easy to find and not always hard easy to follow but she found it and she walked through it and she followed those other cows right down the deal and and there was no more trouble there was no more strife so uh, I pray that we can all turn away from from our selfish ways follow Jesus this week and pick out one person guys one person that that's been on your on your heart and your mind that that doesn't know Jesus doesn't know God and Help them out a little bit. Help block them a little bit. Help, help them make that turn toward the direction that, that we need them to go. I'm going to pray. Dear Lord, thank you so much for today, and thank you for all that you do for us. We're, we're dependent on you, Lord, and, and uh, we're dependent on you for, for the moisture we get. We're dependent on you for, <coughs> pardon me, for all the, all the things we need to live. Uh, thank you for all that. Thank you for the opportunity to get together as a church body and worship you today and glorify you. ask that you be with this ministry as we go forward and, and help us in all the, the decisions that we make. And uh, especially ask that, that uh, you give us an opportunity this week, Lord, to, to just help one person turn away from themselves and toward you. Pray for Kevin. Pray for all the, 
for Daryl and all the people that are sick or hurting and uh, that you'd lay your healing hand upon them. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Good morning, everybody. Uh, thank you, God, for the rain and the moisture. It's, uh, you know, when Ty was talking about that, I had a smile on my face about getting that cow through there. And, and if you've never had the opportunity, um, you know, a, a lot of you, I, I know you've worked cattle and you know what I'm talking about, but you can just see it in their eyes, <laughs> you know, that they're, they're going to want to do something that they're not supposed to do. And it was really cool working with Ty and, and really uh, our cowboy crew on Wednesday night is, is learning to do what me and Ty did then. And it's not about getting a cow through the gate. It's how me and him worked together. And we didn't really have to say anything. We were on the same page. We were doing things the same way. And she would, it was uh, very proactive. You, you could see what she was going to do before she'd do it. And we'd, sometimes we just moved our horse one step over to the right or to the left. And we never put too much pressure on her. Or did we give her too much room to do anything else? And, and eventually she just kind of kept backing up just a little bit. And, and I think it was Ty that did it. She, she kind of looked just a little bit to the left. And he stepped his, his horse forward one step. And which kind of put some pressure on her eye, and she turned and looked at that gate. She was standing right next to it. And whenever he did that, and he took one step forward and just kind of pushed her eye to the left there, and she saw that, and she went through it, and her calf went through it, I said, man, that is cowboying right there. That is cowboying. And, and that's why I love this life. That's why I love this life. I, I love everything about it. It's a great illustration, just like he talked about, of, of what Christians are supposed to, to be like and do. If this is your first time here, I know, I know we've got some visitors. Uh, welcome. This is a sick pen for sinners, not a show ring for saints. You know, there, there, are, there are some hypocrites in here. There's some liars in here, and, 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 and they, they go beyond the stage, <laughs> you know, because, I mean, that, that's me sometimes, you know. But, but we're all working together, and before, before I forget, uh, there was a ring found in the ladies' bathroom. So, is that yours, Emily? Okay, $100. Uh, it, it, it's for sale. That's it. It's been added to the auction. Not really, not really. I give it back to you. Uh, and uh, anyway, welcome to Save the Cowboy. Uh, there's some hard and fast rules here. You know, our goal today is to introduce you to God to introduce you to Jesus and, and to give you some practical information that you can go home and work on because it's your relationship with God that means everything, okay? It, it's not about religion, it's about relationship, and we'll talk a little bit more about that in a little while. Uh, we, I, I love Ezekiel 34, 16, where God says, you should go read Ezekiel 34, 16. He says, I will bring back the lost and uh, I will gather the lost and bring back those that are straight away, bandage those that are injured, and strengthen those that are sick. And that's God talking, man. He's talking cowboy right there, and I love that. And then every single Sunday, we try to grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We get to know him better and better and better. And then finally, kind of like Ty was talking about, we gather the, uh, go out into the world and make disciples of all men and all nations. So anyway, we're glad you are here. Um, you're part of a family and uh, thank you, seriously. I, I got comp, uh, 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 a gentleman came up to me this morning and said that he had tried out 50 churches in Colorado Springs 
And this little one in Kiowa, he loved it. And you know what? It ain't about me. A lot of it's about y'all. Y'all make this what it is. Because I'm, I'm only as good, a preacher is only as good as the prayers of the people that are listening. And I know that y'all pray for me and Ty and, and pray for this ministry. And, and we are deeply humbled and grateful for, for that. So if you got your Bibles, turn with me to uh, Matthew. Uh, you're, we're going to be in Matthew, some in Luke some in James. So stick your finger in all three of those uh, deals and, and we'll, we'll get to it. When I first became a cowboy preacher, I went to a cowboy preaching school. Well, it, it was more like, you know, they, they covered everything from church administration and it was put on by the cowboy churches down in Texas and, and it was wonderful. I, I learned a lot, but one of the little sessions they had was how to become a cowboy preacher. And so since I wasn't a cowboy preacher, I, I wanted to go and I wanted to learn. And the guy got up there and, and he was a neat guy, but he said, okay, this is the way I preach. He said, I like to open it up with a question just to really get people's minds focused. He said, I'm going to show you how to do that today. Man, I had my pen and paper. I was a nerd, right? Man, I was like, I'm going to learn how to be a cowboy preacher. And he goes, what is the scariest thing to a cowboy? I was like, ooh, that's a good question. What is the scariest thing in the world to a cowboy? And I got to thinking, I mean, I'm, and, and he was right, man. That question got my, my wheels turning, you know, got some gears kicked loose, and, and, and I got to thinking, you know, what is so scary to a cowboy? Because, I mean, cowboys are kind of known for, you know, not being scared of very much, and, and I got to thinking, like, maybe being dragged to death, you know, getting hung up in the stirrup or something, you know, that, that's, that's kind of scary, or, or how, about, how about a horse, you know, rearing up and falling over on you, saddle horn sticking you in the chest and killing you, that, that, that might be just a tad bit nerve-wracking. Uh, how about this, the last time knowing that this is the last time you'll ever step foot on a horse that that that's that's plenty scary right and so all of these things and, and then I and then I kind of jumped out of the cowboy mode like are all of those things really scary how about losing a child you know I mean that I can't think of anything scarier than that so this is where my mind was racing in this when this guy says what's the scariest thing in the world to a cowboy and and he was standing up there he's like have y'all figured it out and I mean I was just like what is it? What is it, dude? Tell me. What's the scary? And he said, the scariest thing to a cowboy, the thing that keeps him up every single night, the thing that just puts a gnaw in his stomach every single day is navicular. And I went, what? Now, I mean, if you don't know what navicular is, it's kind of like this hoof disease that, that like, a lot of horses get, especially when they get older, and there's things that you can do for it, and, you know, sometimes it gets so bad that you can't ride them anymore, but I, I, I'm sorry, but I have never lost a ounce of sleep worrying whether or not my horse has navicular, okay, and so I don't remember anything else that that guy said, but, but that, that question has always stuck in my mind about, you know, what's the scariest thing to a cowboy, and, you know, it's not navicular for me, but I, I'm going to share something that I've never shared with anybody before of, of nearly a phobia that I have. It, 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 to me, is the scariest thing in cowboying. Um, I have roped bulls that got on the fight. I've been mauled by mad mama cows. I've torn out across the pa uh, prairie dog towns at full stupid, you know, and, and, and just grinned at it, knowing that we could step in a hole at any moment. 
I've crossed ice-covered creeks, and I've been bucked off by some of the honoriest, rankest horses in God's great creation. But none of that scared me as bad as this one thing. I've only done it once since I've been in Colorado. I've only done it a handful of times in my life. I was so nervous the last time I did it, and it was in Elbert. Uh, I was so nervous, I seriously thought I was going to throw up. The propensity for danger and even death is, is magnified a thousand times more than tearing out across that prairie dog town or, or mad mama cows or whatever. But yet people do it every single day, but not me. Y'all have asked me to do it, and I have refused. I didn't tell you why, but I just said, hey, I got some other stuff going on. I can't do that, uh, and, and I'm probably not going to do it. Y'all can call me whatever name you want to call me, a candy butt. Uh, I, don't, I don't care. You can call me whatever you want to, but I ain't doing it. I ain't riding a horse in a parade. Parades scare the crap out of me. Well, why, why would I say that, that parades scare me? Because, number one, riding on pavement is worse than riding on ice to me. You ever seen a horse fall on pavement with somebody? It's not a pretty sight. Have you ever seen my horses? They don't do well out in the pasture, much less on pavement. You're surrounded by people on horses that probably should not be on horses, much less be on horses on pavement. Okay? You see that person saddled up and their horse is running sideways. They're on their barrel horse in a parade, and you're like, I'm supposed to ride next to it? That stuff is contagious, if you don't know. Barrel horses are contagious. They're all, have y'all ever seen my impression of a barrel horse? And they get like that, and then the other horses are like, there must be something around there, because they're scared, so I must be scared. It's just contagious. There are sirens. You, 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 I can just picture Fiona. She'd be gone. There are sirens. There are people throwing stuff. And there are little kids running everywhere. Because you know, you're riding along, and then that one little kid sees that one piece of candy that the cheerleaders threw, and he's going to go out of it, you know, <laughs> you know, and you just wiped out 14 horses. I'm not doing it. And finally, probably the number one reason, there's clowns in cars trying to be funny. It ain't happening, okay? That's the scariest thing in the world to me is being in a parade. I've only done it once while I'm here. I, I just think that it's not worth the risk. <laughs> and, and, and that's funny whenever I say I'm not, I don't want to be in a parade because it's not worth the risk, but I do all of this other stuff every single day. Life can be scary sometimes. And so can the Bible. You read your Bible long enough and you're going to run across some scary Bible verses. And, and I'm not necessarily talking about the hellfire and brimstone type uh, uh, Bible verses. I'm talking about those Bible verses that you open it up and you read it and you go, oh, uh oh, goodness gracious. You know, those, those, those Bible verses that when you read it, you, you don't start thinking about somebody else. You start thinking, man, does that describe me? Today, I'm going to share with you six of the scariest Bible verses that I have come across and what I think they mean. The very first one that I'm going to mention, and, and they're, not, they're not in any really particular order, is found in Matthew chapter 5, verse 18. I've used this one quite a bit. You know, if you've been coming to Save the Cowboy very long, you, you've, you've heard me. My podium's going to fall off. I'm scared I'm going to stand on it. It's going to tip over forward, get bucked off. Matthew 5.18 says this, But the words you speak come from the heart, and those are what defile you. But the words you speak come from the heart, 
And that's what defiles you. Or another translation says, out of your mouth flows the true nature of your heart. Out of your mouth flows the true nature of your heart. Now, now let me ask you a question. If somebody was to catalog everything that you say, what would it say about you? Out of your mouth flows the true nature of your heart. But the words you speak come from the heart, and that's what defiles you. You know, the, the Jews used to think that, that, that if you ate something, that it made you unclean. And Jesus is saying, man, it's not the stuff that goes in you that makes you unclean. It's the stuff that comes out of you that makes you unclean, especially the words that come out of your mouth. Now, I don't think that this is about cussing, okay? I, I'm not talking about dropping a... If you cuss around cattle, it don't count, okay? It don't count. This isn't, I don't think that this is about cussing. This is about, how about these things? Complaining, gossiping, slandering. How about this? Doubtfulness, ungratefulness, uncontrolled angry outbursts. You know, Jesus says, these are the things that defile you. You know, we don't think that words have power, but man, you know... They do. The, the words that we say have the power to build somebody up or tear somebody down. And you've all experienced that, man. When somebody said one little thing and it just gnawed on you for weeks and weeks and weeks. And, and, and it doesn't really matter if they meant it or not. Sometimes they're trying to be hurtful. Sometimes they're not. Sometimes it's the truth. But we know that words have power. And that verse scares me because whenever I think that out of my mouth flows the true nature of my heart, it starts making me question, what is the true nature of my heart? Do I try to build people up or do I tear people down? Because just like you, I've been guilty of talking crap about people and then thinking, well, I don't mean anything bad by this, but <laughs> you know, anytime you throw the butt in there, it just negates everything that you, well, I don't mean to be ugly, but <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, you do. Yeah, you do. Just keep your mouth shut. That, that's, that's, uh, that's one thing that I'm working on, and I actually wrote a, a, a deal on Facebook about it the other day that I'm trying to learn to be more quiet because I'm a verbal processor. I, I don't think that I necessarily talk a lot just for the sake of talking a lot, but I am a verbal processor. Um, whenever I'm thinking about something, I, I talk about it. And I have been working on becoming quieter in my life and not doing that as much. And when you become quieter, you know what? Everybody asks you, what's wrong? What's wrong? Nothing. No, seriously, what's wrong? You're not saying anything. I'm good, man. No, seriously, what's wrong? <laughs> and, then, and then the true nature starts bubbling up, right? So I figure you just throat punch them and then you don't say anything. So that must be cool. Not really. You don't, don't throat punch people unless they really deserve it. But the words you speak come from the heart. My question is, what does your heart look like? If the words that you speak are the best, uh, I don't even know what word to use, uh, is what your heart looks like, what does your heart look like? Out of your mouth flows the true nature of your heart. The second scariest, not the second scariest in order, but the second one that I'm going to talk about is found in Luke chapter 6. And I talked about this one just a couple of weeks ago. It says, Jesus says, why do you call me Lord, but you don't do what I say? I mean, think about that. If he is your Lord, if he is your boss, 
If he's the big man, if he is God, and you say you believe that he is your Lord, then why don't, it, I'm not asking, Jesus asks, why do you call me Lord, but yet you don't do what I say? Think about that. I mean, isn't, isn't us following Jesus and doing the things that he said to do another representation of what we truly believe? Just like our words are, are, are a representation of what's truly in our heart, aren't our actions representative of what we truly believe? Jesus says, why do you call me Lord, but you don't do what I say? Here's a question. If Christianity was a ranch, okay? If Christianity was a ranch and Jesus was a cow boss and gave you a list of things to do, just like the Bible gives us a list of things to do, how long before you would be fired from the ranch? And what I mean by that is, how about this right here? Love the Lord with all your heart, soul, body, and mind. Now, some of us might be saying, man, I, I, I think I'm doing pretty good with that. And, and, and if so, man, congratulations, because I, I think that I, I truly do try to do that, okay? I don't mean to be a checklist guy, but hey, I'm not too bad. I don't think I'm going to get fired for that one. How about this? Love your neighbor as yourself. Oh, crap. How about this one? Do not be afraid, man. <laughs> I'm treading on dangerous water now. <laughs> I had my one good attaboy, and now I'm just steadily going downhill. How about this one? Submit to one another out of your reverence for Christ. How well do you submit to other people? Hmm. Well, I got my pink slip. Been kicked off. I don't do a very good job at submitting to other people. How about the next verse right after submit to one another? How about this, ladies? Wives, submit to your husbands. Or how about this one, husbands? The highest form of submission, husbands love your wives as much as Christ loved the church. I guarantee you, husbands, you loving your wife like Christ loved the church, she'll do anything for you. How well? Why do you, call, if you call me Lord, why don't you do what I say? These are just a few things that Jesus told us to do. How about this one? Do not be conformed to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Are you transformed or are you just the same person that you've always been and you just do, instead of going roping on Sunday morning, you go to church? That, that's, that, that may be part of the transformation, but I don't think that going to church is necessarily the transformation that Jesus was talking about. He's talking about dying to self. He's talking about uh, of changing the way that you think about things. You know, I mean, it, not... Anybody can love those that, that love them. Can you love those that don't like you? Can you love and pray and ask for blessing on those that criticize you and, and persecute you and condemn you? If, this was, if Christianity was a ranch job, how far would you make it? Now, I, I know I'm not trying to be condemning. I'm trying to get us to look at ourselves in a way that we can say, man, I've been kind of resting back on my laurels a little bit or... Maybe I've been resting on my Yannis. Did y'all get that one? Yeah, it's Yanni, by the way. Why do you call me Lord, but don't do what I say? But the words you speak come from the heart, and that's what defiles you. And the third one is found in Matthew chapter 7. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and in your name perform many miracles? Then I will tell them plainly, get away from me, you evildoers, for I knew you not. 
That's a scary verse right there. That's a scary verse. It's scary to those that don't know him. It's no big deal to those of us that do. But you know, God doesn't care about your occupation for him. He cares about your relation to him. He's, he's saying that the most important thing is for you to know him. Not go out and do all of this stuff. And I'm not saying that doing all that stuff is bad. It, we should go out into the world and make disciples of all men and all nations. But not without knowing him. It's not about religion. It's about relationship. You know, you're not going to get to heaven because you went to church. You'll get to heaven because you went to the cross. Think about that. You're not going to get to heaven because you went to church. You're going to get to heaven because you went to the cross. You're not going to get to heaven because you're a conservative Republican and against abortion. Okay? You're going to get to heaven because you loved others like Jesus did. I'm not saying that there's... I'm against abortion also. But, but that, that's not, it's not about religion. It's not being about against something. It's about being known by Jesus and knowing him intimately. Best friends, Lord, Savior. You're not going to get to heaven because you were baptized as a child. You'll get to heaven because you died to self and followed Jesus. Six scary Bible verses. And they don't have to be scary. For, for, the, for the saved they're probably not scary because if we're doing what we're supposed to do, if we're truly following Jesus, if we are becoming Christ-like, then the words we speak out of our mouth, man, we speak life. We speak encouragement. No longer do we gossip and slander and, and all of this stuff. And, and we do call him Lord. And we, not perfectly, but we are every day growing closer to him by doing the things that he says. And we do know Jesus, and he does know us. The fourth one, dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider an opportunity for great joy, for you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow, for when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. James 1, 2 through 4. Man, troubles are supposed to make you joyful. <laughs> yeah, uh, I'm still working on that one. I don't know about you. That's one of those scary ones. Because I'll be honest with you, a lot of times, especially troubles lately, they did anything but make me joyful. But I know that the Bible's right, and I'm not. That we are going to go through tribulations. I mean, it says, when your faith is tested. Think about that. When your faith is tested, it doesn't say what? It doesn't say if your faith is tested. It says, when your faith is tested, you're going to be tested. And only through perseverance and endurance will we be complete. Perseverance and endurance, man, that... that, that that just says, it's not going to be easy, is it? You're going to have to go through some of this stuff, folks. And, and it's no different than being a cowboy. Everybody wants to be a cowboy, but, but no, nobody wants to get on that cold-backed bronc early in the morning whenever it's 10 degrees outside. But that's part of becoming a cowboy. It's not the only part. There, there's some great stuff. Sometimes it works out like Ty was talking about with a cow through the gate. Other times, they bust their fence and go four miles out of the way, and you're out there all day long. And that happens sometimes. The fifth one in James, staying in James. Dear brothers and sisters, not many of you should become teachers in the church, for we who teach will be judged more strictly. That's basically for me and Ty. Okay? Dear brothers and sisters, not many of you should become teachers in the church, for we who teach will be judged more strictly. So when you see Ty and I looking stressed like this, uh, You'll know why. We know that whenever we get up here and tell y'all this, that we're held to a higher standard than y'all are. That we're judged more strictly. 
When we seem irritable and have a faraway look in our eyes because we know that what we teach is what God is judging us by. So if you ever see that, or if, you know, I, 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 it wasn't nobody in here, but I, I've, people don't come anymore because they said hi to me and, and, and they didn't think I said hi like I meant it. I've seen church splits happen because the preacher didn't shake somebody's hand like he meant it. Man, you know what? That, that verse might not be for y'all, but maybe for some of you it might be because some of you might be called into teaching. But when you teach, you're held to a higher accountability and you're judged harsher, less room for error. So if you see Ty or I or any other teacher in a church or any other preacher, you know, very seldom have y'all ever heard me speak ill of another preacher. You know why? Because I know what he goes through, whether I agree with him or not. How about you give your teachers just a little bit of a break? And the last one, probably the simplest and scariest. And it's talking about you. Matthew 5, 14 says, you. It doesn't say me. It says, you are the light of the world. You are the light of the world. God has entrusted you with his message of salvation. To go out into the world and make disciples of all men and all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. He's commanded us to grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. He has called us to bring together the lost and bring back those that are strayed away, bandage those that are injured, and strengthen those that are sick. You are the light of the world. God has entrusted you with the good news to tell others. It, uh, in 2 Corinthians, uh, Paul talks about this, that, that this great treasure has been placed in clay, fragile jars, and that's us. Not in a lockbox, no, no longer in a, in a gilded ark of the covenant. The light, the great good news message resides in you. You are the light of the world. God has asked you to help gather the dying and introduce them to the only man that can save them. You are the light of the world. And here's a question that we're ending with. We've talked about the things that come out of our mouths. We've talked about why do, why do we call him Lord and not do what he says. We've, we've talked about uh, that not everybody that just says that they're a Christian is going to go to heaven, that it's not about being religious, it's about having a relationship. We've talked about how there's going to be troubles. We've talked about for those of us who are teachers, we'll be judged harshly, or not harshly, but harder, strict, more strict. And the last one, we talked about how Jesus says that you are the light of the world. Not your spouse, not the one sitting next to you, not the one talking to you. You are the light of the world. And here's the question. God chose you, loved you, forgave you, and trusts you enough to put the good news message, the message of salvation inside of you. And the rest of that verse says, you are the light of the world, and no one lights a lamp and then puts a hat over it. You are the light of the world, and what are you going to do about it? You are the light of the world. What are you going to do about it? Let's go to God in prayer. God, there are people dying right now. People listening today that are dying, but you sent your son to die for them so that we didn't have to. And there's only one way to heaven, and that is by giving our entire lives to your son. That means we do, that means we have to follow him down some scary trails. 
We have to trust him in scary situations. We have to give up on pride and wrap ourselves in humility. Let us turn loose of our sins and tie on hard and fast to you and what you did for us. They can do that right now if they've never given their lives. Maybe they've just been coming to church, but they haven't given their lives. They can do that right now by just repeating these words in their heart. God, I'm a sinner and in need of a Savior. God, I give my entire life to you. I call on the name of the Lord Jesus to save me right now. And it's in his name that we thank you for. Amen. Have you ever dreamed of being a cowboy? Do you long to ride for the brand? If you're one of those rare individuals, then we at Save the Cowboy have something just for you. We believe that you are capable of more than you ever imagined. We are offering you the chance to ride for the Lord and save the Cowboys Long X Ranch. We can show you how to be stronger, go further, and ride harder than you ever thought possible. And you know what? We just happen to have a spot for a cowboy. You ready to saddle up? A Long X Ranch cowboy is a person wanting to take their relationship with God to the next level. Our cowboys strive to live a life worthy of their calling and help save the cowboy gather the lost and bring back those that have strayed away. Are you ready to take the outside? If so, go to SaveTheCowboy.com and sign up today. We'll be waiting on you.